1: Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And today... I have a very special guest. I've been so excited about him coming on the show. We're gonna talk a little bit about his books and about his principles, but before I get too far into it, let me go ahead and introduce him to you. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome Sean Glaze, author and founder of Great Results Team Building. Sean is a keynote speaker and an avid writer and his work inspires others to be better teammates, to become more aware of their strengths and roles and to have fun working together. Don't we all want to have fun working together? (laughs) Sean is the author of Rapid Teamwork, The Unexpected Leader, and The Ten Commandments of Winning Teammates. And that's the book I want to talk about today. And he delivers interactive conference keynotes that improve morale and leadership skills while developing an awareness of how people's behavior and attitude are key contributors to the leadership, leadership ecosystem. Sean, I'm like bouncing in my chair like a little kid right now. I'm so excited that you're here with us today to talk about your you know, leadership and teamwork and all this kind of stuff. So thank you for joining us.
0: Casey, I'm thrilled to be here and thank you for your enthusiasm. I did not realize how long that introduction is. So you did a <laughs> fabulous job. Well, you know, I didn't memorize it. I'm not going to (laughs) lie.
1: But I didn't want to miss anything. I want people to see the wonderfulness that is you. So it's important that, you know, we kind of set the stage so they understand your expertise and why you have the authority to speak on what you're going to talk about today. Thank you. So, but first, before we dig into the meat, I always like to share with our guests how we got connected. So do you remember how we got connected?
0: We were actually introduced, I believe, via LinkedIn. And I had reached out uh, telling you that, again, I followed a little bit of the podcast and actually just wanted to share before we get started a huge fan of Bob Berg, who you've had on recently. If your listeners have not listened to that, he is unbelievable with the go giver and just such a fabulous individual. And then even Deborah Roberts recently with. Her talking about relationships, I thought that was very, very insightful. So thank you again for sharing. Obviously, I'm looking forward to hopefully living up to some of that standard. But uh, I think you deliver tremendous value to your listeners.
1: I am so glad I didn't tell you what I'm about to tell you before the show because I can't wait to see your reaction. I wasn't sure if you knew who Bob Berg was. And I am a huge, huge Go-Giver advocate. I give away so many Mm Go-Giver books. It's not even funny. And your book ranked up there with Go-Giver for me.
0: Well, that is tremendous praise. Thank you.
1: Yes. So audience, that should tell you something because, you know, I talk about the go-giver on almost every (laughs) single podcast. (laughs) So, That was a real honor to have Bob Berg. So I'm glad you got to hear that one. Um, So you've written, well, you've written several books, but you've written one of them that wearing the same uniform or working in the same office doesn't necessarily make a winning teammate. So in your opinion, what are the top three traits of a winning teammate?
0: Well, as you mentioned before, you know, the book is titled The 10 Commandments of Winning Teammates. So uh, I've got got a question for you and your audience. And that is, you know, if you've got 10 kids, which are your three favorite? Which do you love the most, right? And so I, I think that it's difficult then to say, you know, of these 10, you can't really say, well, that trait's not necessarily important. This is a little bit less important, but I can tell you that I think that there are a few, that some of the others maybe rest upon or kind of depend upon or are trined with. And so you know to be a great teammate, certainly there are a number of characteristics and behaviors that go into demonstrating you being a winning teammate. But uh, I think the first that is the most important is are you taking personal responsibility for the team's results? I think that uh, if I see that my job is to do more than my job and my job is to make sure the team is successful, then I'm gonna do more than just what might be on that job role description and recognize that if we as a group are successful, then we all are going to end up benefiting from that. I think the second one is uh, one that we talked about just prior to the show beginning, the importance of sharing frequent appreciation. I think that that's something that there are always, Casey, uh, not every job is visible, but every job is valuable. And if you as a leader or if you as a teammate can recognize the importance of helping somebody to feel seen, that goes so far to motivating them and letting them feel a part of something bigger than themselves. And and I think appreciation is a huge part of driving a, a positive team culture. And then finally, I think if if I were going to give a third one that that left out those other seven, uh, it would probably be to continue to grow and to to stay coachable. And that was one of the things I used to talk to my athletes about and that I talked to teammates and even leaders about consistently, because if you're looking to grow, if you're looking to unlearn and relearn and to stay hungry and to stay humble, uh, then those are things that are going to drive you and your team forward.
1: And, and I love that, especially that you chose the stay coachable because that is such a huge, huge thing for me. So I love that. And I wish everybody would realize the benefit of coaching.
0: Well, and, and here's something, again, for not just your audience, those that are looking to hire great talent, but those who are great talent looking to be hired into a different situation. Many executives today have coaches. Not every executive takes that coaching and actually applies the ideas or the insights or the understanding kind of information that's gonna help them to be more successful. And I think that uh, you find you know, uncoachable kids become unmanageable adults. You probably heard that before. And I, think that I actually wrote that things. quote down.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> How important that is in every industry, absolutely.
1: I'm trying to look back to see if I was an uncoachable kid. I'm gonna lean towards <laughs> uh, maybe a little, you know? <laughs> I'm
0: afraid I probably was. I think I was a little bit full of myself as a young athlete.
1: I was in the corner <laughs> a lot. So, <laughs> but I think it was more for my mouth than anything else, which, you know, I do pretty good now. Imagine that. <laughs> um, how does teamwork affect morale in the office and further, you know, so, you know, how does morale affect productivity and efficiency in the office?
0: Well, how does teamwork affect morale? I think the first thing is what are the terms? Because one of the things you find in having conversations with teams and team leaders is when you talk about teamwork or you talk about morale or engagement, there are terms that are used often, but we don't necessarily have a usable shared definition that really kind of helps us to understand we're looking at the exact same thing the same way. I think teamwork is the coordinated activities of a committed group who contribute diverse skills and resources to accomplish a compelling common goal. And there are a lot of pieces to that definition, but I think that that teamwork starts with absolutely, uh, are we coordinating? Are we committed to a compelling common goal? Do we feel that we are a small part of something larger and more significant? Uh, When you get into morale, I think morale is a feeling that you get It's the emotion that comes from being connected and being committed to a goal and to your teammates. And then later on, I know we'll be talking about engagement. And I think that that a lot like culture is a term that's tossed around pretty often, but probably has 10,000 different definitions. And I think that engagement in its simplest form is how much I care about the results I'm contributing to. And so teamwork is absolutely something that affects morale because if there is a lack of commitment if there's a lack of alignment if we're not committed to the same goals if we're not coordinating if i'm not using the skills that i know i have then morale and that emotion is certainly going to drop and we're not going to be as effective we're not going to be as efficient we're not going to be as positive or as high performing a team if again that engagement and morale isn't a part of the equation so I think that the number one thing you want to do to boost teamwork and therefore to affect morale and engagement that are always going to be byproducts of the teamwork kind of behaviors is how can I, as a leader, focus on the five major things that are going to build a culture of teamwork. And that's, have we identified goals? Have we built relationships? Have we set clear expectations? Do we provide accountability for ourselves and each other? And then do we say thanks? And again, I use that acronym of great because that's part of a previous book, but I think that the content is applicable to not just leaders, but to teammates as well, and you can kind of identify where those holes that are maybe being neglected by our team and how can we improve teamwork by which one of those five is maybe less emphasized by our people.
1: That is so interesting. I kind of want to go back to one of those that you said, and that was the, um, ability to clearly define the expectations. And this has been coming to us a lot lately. We just had a lunch and learn, and that was part mm-hmm. of the lunch and learn yesterday in, in dealing with negotiations, which mm-hmm. was an awesome lunch and learn. But it brought up a quote that I wrote down mm-hmm. from your book, which all failure is the result of vagueness.
0: Absolutely, and and if you look back at your team, and again, my background—I know we talked a little bit. My background is having coached high school basketball and working with teams, and having had dozens of teams over the years, whether it was you know, in season or out of season. You recognize that it's not just strategy that culture drives performance. Oftentimes, you know that strategy is what you want to get done, and culture is how they're going to do it based upon those connections we discussed. But when you talk about the importance of clarity and setting expectations. If I've done a poor job as a leader or a coach of explaining, this is how we need to do this drill or run this play or, you know, go through these rotations defensively. If I've not made things clear and set the expectation, it's not at all fair for me to provide a consequence or discuss coaching and accountability when I've not laid out the clear plan of this is how we do things. And I think that for teams specifically, Communication is so important, and again, Deborah talks about relationships and how communication. You know, the the the, um, the problem with communication is oftentimes you know we think that it's occurred when it hasn't, and we make assumptions that people understand what we're saying. And I think that as a leader, one of the most important meetings you can have with your team is that time when you've sat down and hopefully you've already got goals and you've built relationships, but that idea of taking the time to clarify what are our team expectations, what are our standards of behavior in terms of how we interact in meetings, of how we're going to communicate digitally in terms of email or text or Slack or whatever else you're using. And that by defining and clarifying those, you end up sidestepping so many possible potholes that could otherwise sabotage some performance.
1: We have in recruiting because, you know, I mean, recruiting is basically sales, right? And so it's a sales environment and we have our rules of engagement that we follow that kind of keep us from stepping on each other's toes most of the time, (laughs) you know, but I I think that's definitely kind of what you're talking about. Those are the expectations Mm -hmm. and you know, if you do X and you're not supposed to, then you can expect Y, you know?
0: And for good teammates, again, that goes after you set the expectations. If I'm a teammate that truly is committed to a goal and to achieving a certain purpose or result, then that's part of accountability. Accountability isn't something I'm gonna do to you as a consequence, it's something I do for you because together, if I don't address it, if we don't get that thing right, then we together aren't gonna cross the finish line the way that we want to. And so accountability, I think is something that is a gift oftentimes that we give to ourselves further down the line.
1: I couldn't agree more. And I think that um, you know one of the things that I'm so thankful for, and I've really been noticing this since I've read your book, so thank you for that. It's really made me more aware of all the things that we do right in our office. And I was sharing a story with you earlier about appreciation, but as I was telling you about that, I thought about another story that just happened yesterday. And it was one where one of our business development managers and one of the recruiters, because we pair together when we're working with clients, had just gotten off the phone with a potential new client and when he got back to the bullpen the business development manager joe he shouted across the bullpen for everybody to hear great job angela you nailed that one you know That's and just down. went on and on in front of her peers and it just yeah. like you just felt the energy just rise
0: and and that type of recognition you're know, doing something nice for somebody and appreciation obviously being a, a key component of that Doesn't just improve the mood and the emotion of the person that's receiving it, but those around them and those that have given it because you're all lifted. And I think that is such a huge positive to be able to praise in public and to provide the recognition because, again, what gets rewarded gets repeated. And when she does that good job and she's seen for being congratulated, other people want to rise their behavior to the same standard
1: absolutely so that kind of brings me to our next topic i think really well because you know i think one of the biggest challenges people face in the workplace is walking the line between a friendship with with their teammates um or building a friendship but keeping it professional still right Mm -hmm. so what advice can you share to help others with this
0: in a blog that i wrote a long time ago casey this is something that as you can imagine you know i've you know, not just as an author, but as a conference speaker and doing team building events as a facilitator and working with different industries and groups for different programs and events. One of the things that sometimes comes up is friendships can sometimes sabotage performance as well. And, you know, I think friendship can absolutely drive performance just like anything else. There's the good and there's the bad that can sometimes occur based upon what that particular circumstance is. And the idea of friendship Uh, I think that if you have a focus on the relationship only and not on the goal, you end up obviously not reaching the goal. If you have focus only on the goal and don't provide yourself with the connection of relationship, you also don't reach that goal. So I think that those two main connections that are going to drive morale, they are going to drive performance and energy on your team, or you've got to have people connected to that compelling common goal. What is that shared mission that we have that we're all working toward? And you need to connect them to each other. And that's where those events and programs to give people a chance to clarify and make sure that we're all aligned with here's our goal, but also here are the people we're working together with, and you need to understand their personalities and their backgrounds and their challenges. And one of the, the most impactful experiences I had as a coach, and again, drawing from a background as coaching before I started working with corporate groups, uh, was a player that I wasn't aware of his circumstances. And so I'm coaching him on the court and I'm seeing him at school. And I ended up you know, being very unpleasant one day after he had been late to a few practices. And he took off and did his running. And later on, after the practice was over, one of his teammates came to my office, and said, Coach Glaze, do you not know about Jason? what about Jason? And I was probably just as snotty because again, we've got expectations, right? Mm -hmm. And I had not done the job of building relationships to be able to apply some of the expectations and understand because everybody in your office has circumstances and are fighting dragons maybe we don't know about. And my job as a coach was to be more than just somebody who saw a uniform. I got to see and care about the kid inside the uniform. And turns out that you know, his grandmother wouldn't allow him to come in with somebody else, and she would only drive him after she had taken care of little brother, and little brother was a medical situation that I was completely oblivious to. And I think that the number one thing we can do as leaders and teammates is to recognize that absolutely on the best teams, yeah, you're there to do your job, but I don't agree that you're only there to do your job because I'm gonna be more effective working with you, not just beside you if I understand some of your personality and your desires and your challenges and your circumstances. And a lot of that sometimes requires us who are a little bit older to cross that sometimes thick line between the professional and the personal. And I think one of the best things that I began to do as a coach is to really be more intentional and in connecting with my athletes and getting a little bit closer and making it more of an atmosphere of, uh, you know, it's not just about what we're here to accomplish together. I'm here to build people, not just players. And, uh, and so that was a huge turning point for me, I think. And I think a lot of leaders, when they see the benefits of those one-on-one conversations you have to build relationships before you do the coaching, uh, it has a tremendous positive impact on the morale and on the engagement, and on the motivation and productivity of your people.
1: So, and we've had this happen before too, because I think again, you know, once let's say you've got that established team, right. Mm-hmm. And you've got to add, add headcount to your team. And I'm sure you've had this happen that you make the complete wrong hire for the team. <laughs> it's not the fact that the person can't do the job. It's just not a fit for the team. So how can recruiters and hiring managers, how can they hire for that fit for that culture?
0: what a fantastic question and obviously for your audience who are looking to build high performing teams and it's not just about talent you know it's not just you in basketball it's in business as well talent is essential you got to have talent to win but it's never sufficient if all you're bringing is talent we're not going to be the team that we could be so in addition to vetting them for the talent and the skills and the technical you know things that they are going to bring to the table I think part of your job in that interview is to make sure that you're asking the right questions that get you to know the person and how they're going to be as a teammate. Are they looking to be an individual performer who is looking at their you know stat line? Or are they looking to be a team performer who's looking at the scoreboard of how the team is doing? And I think one of the most powerful questions that I've been able to share with leaders and having conversations and coaching and different events is you know, in the midst of that interview or series of interviews, if you're doing a great job of vetting the person, depending upon position, at some point you're going to have a conversation about, tell me a time when you had a challenge, tell me a time where you struggled, tell me a time where your team didn't do so well. And I think that how people respond in adversity tells us a lot about those people. And after you've gone through them, explaining some of the situation and some of that challenge, I think the most powerful question that I've heard used is this, and this is something again, I hope that your audience can use. And basically it's understanding that what would need to happen next time Mm.
1: to improve
0: the situation and then listen.
1: Interesting.
0: And when you ask what needs to happen next time, they have a choice to walk down path A or path B. Path A is, oh, well my coach should have done so-and-so, my teammate should have done such-and-such, my leader should have done so-and-so, my manager forgot to blah, 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 where they're pointing their finger somewhere else. You don't want the path A person. The path B person says, I could have, I should have, I will next time, and they take ownership. And when you get somebody who takes ownership of what their team is doing, then that's going to provide you with a high quality individual who's not just talented, but has that team mindset is willing to take responsibility for what the team is going to produce. I love that question.
1: I, and I've been recruiting for a lot of years and have not (laughs) ever looked at it from that direction. So thank you. I love it when I learn something new. Um, So, and I'm trying to think which question I want to ask you, because I'm not going to be able to ask you all the questions I wanted to ask you today. (laughs) But You know we've all attended some kind of team building exercise some more effective than others what are some tools or practices you feel as an expert can truly improve teamwork
0: i'm glad you mentioned that because not just falling backwards (laughs) oh my goodness trust falls are not effective (laughs) i uh i can tell you when i got into doing team building it was honestly because casey as a high school basketball coach i had a dysfunctional team And uh, I knew we needed something, but I didn't know what it was because I had done all the strategy stuff. I had the X's and O's, we did the skill work. We were great with practice plans, but there was just a disconnect in terms of the personalities and the cohesion in the locker room between personalities. And so I reached out to a gentleman who has for years been a friend and a mentor to me. And he said, basically, well, you couldn't afford me and I don't work with kids, but I'd be more than happy to sit down and talk with you and share some ideas, et cetera. And what I've learned over the years is that a lot of the activities that he shared with me and some that I've picked up along the way are useful tools that can be relevant and actionable catalysts to build team awareness. And experiences provide awareness. Awareness changes beliefs. Beliefs change behavior. Behavior becomes culture. So if you want a different culture, you need to give your people intentional experiences that are going to change their awareness so that those beliefs and behaviors change. That's what changes culture ultimately. The problem with team building is that as an umbrella term, there are a number of experiences that people have had that haven't been relevant or actionable or necessarily something that provides insightful or meaningful takeaways where I can be better as a teammate or a leader tomorrow. It's just, let's do stuff. And there is some value in bonding activities, but I don't think this as impactful or as long lasting as really intentional team building, which is very different from recreational team building. Uh, and so that said, if you really wanna build teamwork, you know, one program with me or someone else that you do a good job of vetting as a team leader, one program is not going to change your entire culture long-term. However, one program can be an incredibly powerful catalyst to set you up for continued change once you open the door to new experiences and maybe uh, some modified awareness and eyebrows go up and people realize you know, my behaviors do have a ripple effect and I do impact others. And once they actually care about a goal and they care about the people they're working with to achieve that goal, accountability's job is half done because most of accountability is creating empathy within your team. And if I care about the people around me and I understand that what I do affects them and their jobs and their performance, then I'm gonna be that much more aware of those ripples that my behaviors end up causing. So as a leader, absolutely focusing upon those five areas. Have we clarified a compelling common goal that people feel connected to? Uh, Have we built relationships where people understand the personalities of the people and the challenges and have an appreciation for the connections and, and the things they have in common with others? I think that when we build commonalities, you inoculate yourself against some of the differences that would otherwise divide us. Um, Have we taken time to clarify those expectations we talked about and set team standards and commitments? Have we taken the time to establish how as a leader and even as a teammate, we're gonna deliver feedback conversations and provide effective and positive feedback so it's coaching, not punishing? And then finally, how can we be intentional about providing meaningful individual things that really recognize people for their efforts and let them feel seen, I think. Any of those five areas are sometimes neglected. And again, you know that neglect is the first step to failure. If I wanna make sure I draw my team back on the path to being more successful, I need to address whichever one or more of those five that maybe I've let slip.
1: So, and, and I think we've touched on this, but I kinda of wanna go back to this because I think it's very, very important. So one of your commandments that you've written about is, prioritizing team goals over personal goals. So we just talked about goals. So I think it makes sense to let's talk about, you know, I have my own personal goals and metrics for my company, and then I have team metrics, right? So, you know, it's definitely important for any leader to understand that they must first set clear team goals and expectations, but what advice can you give to help the leader set those goals and hold their team accountable for them?
0: Well, I think, uh, again, it goes back to my team is going to be more engaged and more open to coaching if first they feel connected to a goal and connected to the people that are achieving that goal in the midst of the team. And so the idea of um, making sure that they're connected, oftentimes I think we as leaders, we even maybe involve the team and let them be part of establishing, here's our mission, here's our vision, here's our values, here's our commitments, because people are going to invest in and support what they've helped to create. But after you've established that mission or that team goal, sometimes we lose sight of leaders of how important it is to make sure that we help connect the dots for the people throughout our organization. And it might be that you have four people on your team or 14 people on your team or 40 people on your team. But the larger the team gets sometimes, the more people see their dot and the dots beside them, but they don't see the big Mm. picture and they don't feel connected to the progress or the impact that the organization or the team is having. And so I think that sometimes in those one-on-one conversations, when you're building relationships and asking, you know, what are you doing? How can I help? How can I support you? Because our job as a leader certainly is what can I do to support and to develop and to encourage those people that I'm serving? Uh, but in the midst of those one-on-one conversations that hopefully you're having more than once a year, uh, <laughs> I, th- I think that's a whole different conversation. You know, I'm not, my job is not to actually just talk to them at the banquet. I want to make sure I'm talking to them every practice. Uh, but my job is to make sure that they have a chance to feel connected and that I help them to connect the dots and see here's what your efforts are, this is what your role is, but in terms of big picture, this is what you're helping to create. And I think that if you can show people the results that they're contributing to. You know, if I'm working for a mortgage company, can you show me that family that we were able to get into a home mm. for the very first time? And that picture is something I can put on my desk because that's what I'm helping to work on, even if all I see is numbers all day. And so I think connecting people to ultimately what they're contributing to and what those results are has a huge impact upon driving all the other things that go on.
1: That is so interesting that you just said that. Um, I'm not sure if you've read this book or not, Simon Sinek's Infinite Game. And he,
0: Absolutely. Yes.
1: And he talks about the just cause and how it's so important for people to understand what they're contributing to in the end, if they're going to be successful for the company. So I love
0: that. And, and just the idea, he talks so much about legacy and our legacy isn't our income. Our legacy is how many leaders are we creating? How many winning teammates mm-hmm. are we given an example of? So they feel comfortable emulating that example. It's a great book, by the way,
1: everybody. <laughs> um, so speaking of books, why don't you tell us a little bit about your books, which I'm not even sure. I think that the Ten Commandments was the latest one, right?
0: Correct. Yeah. The, the most again. recent is the Ten Commandments and Winning Teammates. Thank you so much for sharing that.
1: Shameless piece. plug. <laughs> <laughs> for so, those of you not uh, watching, I'm holding up his book.
0: <laughs> so you know, for your listeners, and I know that some of your listeners are looking to move into a different role and they are shopping for a job as somebody who's going to be a candidate. And some of your listeners are going to be in that Fortune 500 or or in an organization that's looking to hire quality people who aren't just talent, but are looking to be great teammates. And I think that from either end of that spectrum, they're gonna benefit from understanding what are those Ten Commandments? What should I look for in a new hire? What should I look to demonstrate that I've done before and will do again as a new hire? But uh, the Ten Commandments, as I said, not my first book for kind of corporate audience. My first book was really focused just upon leaders. And I mentioned to you the five things that basically turn individuals into a team. And I use that great acronym in the first book, which is also a leadership parable. Is called Rapid Teamwork, and basically it shares the five essential steps that a leader needs to take, which start with the goals and relationship. But it goes through and gives some activities and some ideas that you can implement. Uh, and specifically, I'm again grateful for you to ask because I'm I'm not too far from actually putting out an online course that does provide some individual coaching that walks leaders through not just reading the book, but really applying that over a 12-week period with their team.
1: Oh, very nice. And I do love the template that comes along with the book. Um, it's in the very back. And I was like, almost didn't read it because it was the last little appendix. And I was like, he's still talking about the character. I'm going to go on here. So <laughs> so thank you for that. I appreciate that. I know that's a lot. And it was really interesting. You didn't even ask for an email for that.
0: Well, again, my, you know, hopefully a serve. And I've been very fortunate to have people find me and refer me for different events and, and I've always felt that, and I think it's my background as a teacher and a coach, because you don't do that for the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do it because you want to serve and develop people, and if I can continue to do that and give teams and team leaders some resources that they can use and apply, and if they find an opportunity where I can come in and help and serve them individually, I would be thrilled to do it, but uh, you know, I think that you know we end up, again, leaving that legacy that Simon Sinek talks about when we actually give
1: without asking. Uh, love it. Love it. This has been a great conversation, but now I'm going to put you on the hot seat and ask you our <laughs> VIP questions. Are you ready?
0: All right. Let me, uh, let me sit up straight a little bit. Feel like I'm about to go <laughs> he's he's getting a, ready a to run, run Trey.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, fire away. Okay. If you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you?
0: What three things? So first and foremost, I have an unbelievable, wonderful wife uh, who is uh, far beyond what I should have ever dreamed of. So I'm going to take her because she's going to make me do whatever I'm supposed to as we're there. Uh, Definitely got to take my dog because got to have him to throw the ball with and chase around Mars a little bit. Yes, uh, a dog person. (laughs) Keep me taking care (laughs) of myself physically and chasing him. And then finally... Uh, probably make sure I take my laptop so I can continue to hopefully write and maybe get in touch with somebody along the way.
1: Good choices. <laughs> Not that there are bad choices, no. but I like them. I like them. I was gonna say
0: now, how many of these conversations have ended in somebody having bad choices? Because that's what I want to hear.
1: Um, I, I, there's been one that I was kind of questioning. I was like, really? <laughs> that's what you're gonna use like your one one of your wishes on? You know? But it's okay. No judgment. <laughs> so Open where they're at. That's right. That's right. That's what they tell us in coaching school. No judgment, detach from the outcome, you know? So what is one thing you do each day to set your day up for success?
0: Uh, After brushing teeth, right? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know what i've I've done over the last many months and and this is probably nothing you know groundbreaking i I, i'm probably pretty good about doing to-do lists the night before so i kind of know what's ahead of me i'm not necessarily rushed so i'll wake up and uh, i've become probably more of a coffee person because my wife is definitely a coffee person and i've kind of given into but i'll wake up and have a cup of coffee and i'll do a crossword and that gives me a chance to to think a little bit and activate a brain and hopefully get some some positive momentum from having a little bit of an accomplishment and uh, and being a little bit sharper than maybe I would have.
1: Interesting. I love crossword puzzles, but I don't think I could do them in the morning. I'm just not that awake yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My final question for you. if Well, almost final. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be?
0: Um. The teams and leaders he worked with, he made better. The family he loved, he made proud.
1: Aw, I love that. That is so sweet. And I love that you have that, you know, that professional, but that personal touch on it too. So that's really beautiful. Thank you so much. How do people get in touch with you?
0: Uh, You can find me online at greatresultsteambuilding.com. Uh, in addition, in terms of social media, would love to connect on Twitter, at Lead Your Team, LinkedIn, obviously Sean Glaze. Reach out. If I can help you or your team with anything at all in regarding team culture, team leadership, or ideas just to make sure that you have a little bit better engagement morale, I'd be thrilled to help.
1: And that's Sean, S-E-A-N.
0: Absolutely. got to the right <laughs> way, Casey.
1: Well, and guys, I'm sure if you mention that you heard him on the VIP podcast, you'll get extra VIP treatment from him
0: absolutely i'd be also thrilled if uh, if they would like to join the great results community i would be more than happy to give to anyone in your audience that is interested in an audio version of the book they can actually download a full audio version of the 10 commandments of winning teammates if they text the word teamwork to 33777 and again this 33777 is the number and you'll text the word teamwork And that'll be in the show notes. And again, thank you very much. I've absolutely enjoyed sharing with your audience.
1: Well, Sean, I just have one more thing to say to you. You are a VIP.
0: (laughs) Thank you very, very much. You too, I'm thrilled for you to have had me on your show. Thank you so much, Casey.
1: And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more,
0: log on to wearevip.com.